Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. Tim here for a very special Egg Chasers Rugby podcast previewing England versus Australia, the three-series test which starts this weekend in Brisbane. Eddie Jones taking his new team to face his motherland and one of his old sides in what should be an explosive encounter. And definitely is a big barometer about exactly where England really are and how far have they really come since Stuart Lancaster and the Rugby World Cup. We're going to find out very soon. And so we're going to preview those matchups with some friends of ours from Australia, the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. We've got Matt, Matt and Hugh uh, who are going to help us, and myself and JB, because Phil couldn't be involved because he was at a wedding. Uh, but what we have done is we're going to scrutinise each other's teams. So you're going to hear me and JB talk about three things we fear from Australia and three things we welcome from Australia, um, the team or just things around the game. And then Matt and Hugh from Green and Gold are going to do exactly the same. As ever, leave your iTunes reviews. Um, Thank you very much for doing so. Subscribe on iTunes and Acast. Enjoy the rugby this weekend. Find us on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. But here we go then. Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast Special. England v Australia preview. Here's what went down. Matt, Hugh, hi. G'day, fellas. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? Not bad. You're getting some some British weather the last few days, I gather. Oh, mate, it's been wetter than our otter's pocket down here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming good. I tell you, what, no, no word of a lie, it, it blew over my front fence. It's been that bad. So it's just an average summer's day in England, isn't it? It's pretty nice, yeah, pretty nice. It's, I'm actually in shorts today, funnily enough. Um, just going that like, lovely pink colour that you see English people in Australia going uh, <laughs> as they're travelling around. <laughs> Uh, now, boys, uh, we've got you. We've got you on the podcast, um, and we're gonna we're gonna help each other out. We're gonna preview the games that are coming up this weekend by um, by you picking out and us picking out three things that you you fear from the opposition and three things you welcome. So three things you're quite happy about, or, or you think might be soft touches, soft underbelly of the opposition. Who do you want to kick off with? So who do you who are you guys fearing the most uh, from the Wallabies? Well, I think full disclosure, Matt. And Hugh is that JB is actually Welsh, so yes, you, 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 so you need to, you need to factor that into any anything JB says when it comes to England, because I think uh, Australians and Welshmen uh, share that uh, that hatred of the pub. So um, and the rest of the world fact. actually, Tim. But yeah, and to well, be fair, yeah. I mean, I'm still mourning the loss of Stuart Lancaster. This this Jones <laughs> he is a worry. All right, well, it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty predictable and. I, I, you could have predicted what we'd say. Um, no. I mean, it's it's pooper all day long, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the, the the two of them together. I just 
I, I wake up in cold sweats having nightmares about uh, about them at the World Cup um, and, and what they did to, to England. Yep. Um, I think particularly what England have, have done against the other Six Nations teams, and Eddie Jones has got a 6-0 and record currently, and he's done that by winning the collisions, winning the game line, and Billy Vunapola uh, at number eight. I mean, I, I don't think you saw the best of him. Uh, I, I'm hoping that Australians, by the end of this series, are going to think, wow, there is a world-class number eight. Yeah. He has been punching holes, been an absolute wrecking ball. Uh, J- JB, you know that as a, as a Welshman as, as, as well yeah. as anyone, what he's done. And that, that game line battle and, and Pooper slowing down that ball um, is going to go a long way to deciding if England can... Um, finally get a series win in Australia and get the first win there since, what, 2010? Yeah. So, look, do you guys rate, within the, you know, breaking the pooper down, do you rate Pocock, or so I should turn around the other way around, I think. I think everyone knows what a, you know, how ridiculous Pocock, it, Pocock is. Do you rate Hooper in the same vein? And, well, uh, his, his environmental work's not quite as strong. I'll, go, <laughs> I'll say that. Um, I think Hooper's slightly different. I think what he what he offers alongside the breakdown stuff, mm. is just that like open field running. Mm. Uh, and he, you know, he's just he's just an extra ball carrier, the extra threats. Uh, I, I think he's slight, slight, slightly different, but no less dangerous. A tremendous athlete. Well, you, you forget, and I went back, Matt, and as you might have done this weekend, and watched that England-Australia game in the World Cup. Um, as a rainy weekend here, it's just something I do. It's, it's quite enjoyable. But um, you forget in that game, Hooper was an absolute psychopath. Mm. You know, he was charging around and he ended up getting suspended for that. He charged into that ruck and, and probably could have been red-carded these days. We've, saw, we've seen it in Super Rugby folks getting red-carded. So, mm. you know, he was all-time psychopath in that game and he hasn't really been able to produce it since. But, um, yeah, what the guy says is right. I mean, they, they, they were their absolute best in that game. Yeah. Well, I actually thought it played. they played a real combination, which, you know, Pocock did a fantastic... I mean, actually doing some analysis... Um, just this week with the dead ball area, again, going back and looking at that game. And what you'd see over time is that, you know, Pocock would do, like, I counted nine times where he didn't get awarded a turnover, but he slowed the ball down so much that, you know, he was one of those times you're right on the edge of a turnover, you don't quite have it, so you let go. But in the meantime, the whole line's set. And then what you'd see is Hooper just come straight out of that line and nail whoever receives the ball. And so all of a sudden England's gone from being hot on attack to slow ball and then suddenly they're behind the game line with Hooper doing yeah. something. So that was the kind of pattern that they fell into and it worked really well. But was um, oh, um, We, uh, I'm sorry, I was listening to an interview with Sam Warburton hmm. and his turnover stats aren't, aren't particularly good. But uh, his view is he doesn't care because if he turns a three-second rook into a seven-second rook, that yeah. to him is nearly as good as a turnover. No, exactly. Over, over again. So that's two. Have you got a third, or is the, the, is the pooper just well, all-consuming? Well, we're going to go with Hooper, uh, Pooper as a one, because we oh. think that they pretty much uh, are one person, though. <laughs> they certainly are over here. I don't know if there's any distinction down there. <laughs> they're, they're the first name on the team sheet, mate, Pooper. Definitely, I think, uh, behind the scrum, and I'm watching him do it for the Waratahs this season, particularly Izzy Falau coming into the line as an attacking threat. Uh, as, as we mentioned, Eddie Jones has chalked up six wins, but against Six Nations teams, uh, you know, Wales, France, Ireland uh, have been very robotic and pragmatic in the way that they play. And there isn't a player in any of those teams, I don't feel, uh, that that has that unpredictability and attack that, that Israel Falau brings. Yeah. So, so, so coming up against him in wide channels, if he gets space or an overlap or Australia gets some quick ball, 
then I'm, I'm worried about that. Can I, can I agree with Tim, uh, but also just add another point to that, or ask a question, I should say, which is, uh, is it likely to, uh, that we're going to see Falau in that hybrid 15-13 position that he's been playing recently? It's, it's hard to know. I mean, everyone's been talking about... I think the reason why he's probably going to be still back at fullback is who else is going to play fullback. Basically, we're down to sort of like newbies like a Dane Haylett Petty or a or workaround. If Curtly Bill had still been on the scene, you had a choice there. So, you know, I, I would tend to think that, you know, from he's going to probably spend more of his time there. But, you know, look, he's been doing more of that sort of injecting into the line um, over time. I don't know, Hugh, have you got a, a better read on that? Oh, yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised if they play him in the 15 jersey and he'll drop back um, in defence and just work on diffusing those high balls. Um, and then in the, and then he'll be much more prominent uh, in attack, especially off first phase. I think they'll probably run him off lineouts and scrums um, as that crash ball option or something, or even something wider. Mm. Um, and he'll, they'll just try and get the ball in his hands as much as possible. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, la- and the last one from me... Uh, I don't. I'm not necessarily sure that you'll be better than England in this in this area. But you don't need to be better. You just need to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's your is is your front row. Um, I'd never thought I'd hear the day where uh, <laughs> we, we that. Come on, Jay. Mate, these boys. I know they're big boys. The, the big boys. They scrimmage well, but more importantly, they work hard and they're good rugby players. All you need. All they need to do is be equal. So I, I would actually add to that. So our actual third name, if, if you want to use Pooper as one, uh, Izzy Falau, then our third name is probably actually Mario Ledesma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. He does a mean barbecue, but he also knows how to coach. I mean, for, for us, the biggest sigh of relief came when we saw um, Sakopi Kepu was coming back to Australia. That, Absolutely. Yeah, everyone just went, oh, thank God for that. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally with you guys there. And, yeah, what um, Super Mario's done with those guys has been amazing. Is Kepu back in Australia for good now? Or is he just allowed to travel back for games? No, he has. They announced, uh, I think it was on Friday, late last week, that he's back with the Waratahs for three years. Uh, nice. So, he's yeah, he's back. You know, so, yeah, so that was a double whammy for me and Hugh. Not only is he back in Australia, but he's back with the Tars, where we've, yeah, been, where we, we've, been, we've been really struggling um, um, up front, up until just recently. But, um, yeah, so that's great to see him back. So, what did you make of those names, then? What you expected? Um, actually, yeah, look, uh, yeah, Pooper's got to be first on the, on the team sheet. Um, then you've got, yeah, Falau, hard to leave out. I am, um, yeah, the front row, though, does warm my heart, Hugh. Yeah, it does. And, and it is, like, it's not, it's not false modesty. We're, we're the, at our best, you know, in terms of depth that we have been for a long time in the front row, and it's still carried over to this year where we've got still two really quality front rows, you know, with Slipper and CO, we're not sure who will be loosehead. And Kepi's got the inside running for tight head, but Greg Holmes is in good form as well. So there's nothing lost there. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the three nice spots. I'm not sure about everything else, but I'm happy to rem- ruminate on them for a while. All right, guys. So you've given us, you've given us uh, the warm-up. Um, now give us the shaft. So who, who are you going to be welcoming? There's, mm. there's always a yin and a yang, isn't there? Yeah, uh, yeah we've got that. Well, you know... Outside of the victory that the Waratahs had, uh, was it last week against the Chiefs? Mm. Ve- very impressive. My, the number one thing that I'm welcoming is just the standard of play of the Australian teams in Super Rugby. You know, if they carry that, if if they carry that that form over and play like they have been, I'm not entirely sure that they they they're as nearly as formidable as as they could be. Mm. Yeah, Hugh, are we fair cop? 
Yeah, very. That's that's very fair. And we're all hoping beyond hope that that somehow Checker weaves them all together in, a, in, in magically and can can get the best out of them all. But we're not one hundred percent certain that's the case. Yeah, I mean, what you're not aware of, guys, is that when you go into uh, the Wallaby camp with Checker, you get put into a, a deep state of psychosis um, by Michael <laughs> Checker personally. <laughs> so that's what makes the difference. Um, so yeah, that's what we're kind of looking forward to happening. But you know, the run of Australian teams—it's been something we've been talking in our podcast. We've actually been trying not to talk about it every week because it's just such. Uh, it's such a sore point here with everybody. Uh, yeah, I, I, w- I would also say that um, another thing I welcome, uh, and it's not a player as such, uh, but it's the a half-empty stadium uh, taking away that home advantage. I, <laughs> Where I, are I, the fans, <laughs> by, by, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, that's everybody in Sydney's in that stadium most weeks. Um, you know, we're, we're a small town. Right, okay, I see. Uh, but there's, it, it pains me when I see it. Obviously, uh, in, in the UK, we have a similar problem. It, it's, well, it's we, have, so, we have a similar problem in the AJ Bell Stadium, well, but that's well, not it. In Manchester, <laughs> where Sale Sharks play, yeah, it's a, a similar problem. We're, we're, yeah. Attendances are relative to, to football, soccer, whatever. Um, uh, it's way down the pecking order, but it does pain me when I see uh, international games and empty seats um, in Australian stadiums. So, but, but, but I guess from an English point of view, I'm going, well, that, that's great. That's less of a cauldron of... Oh, but guys, we've got news for you here, actually. Yeah, yeah, we've got to fill you in, Matt. Yeah. Well, hang on. What kind of country builds stadiums too big, too big for cities? I mean, you know how many people live there. It's not a small stadium. <laughs> you would think so. No, look, so what they've done sensibly this year, um, and it's, it's quite amazing that they've actually done it, is that they've actually chosen three um, stadiums that they will fill. So Sydney, usually it's out at ANZ, which is the old Olympic thing that they built for the Olympic Games back in 2000. And actually, um, that was the one that did it. Was that the one that had like 90,000 people at once, Hugh? What was the... 100, the 108, I think. Was oh, 108. Yeah, oh, so, God. Yeah, no. So wow. it was like, that was when the Wallabies were winning, though. So, you yeah, know, yeah, that's when we, really. That's when, we, <laughs> that's when we could actually beat the All Blacks. But um, so, the, no, they've moved it to the SFS, which is downtown in Sydney, much better for getting a beer and um, only seats about 45,000, 50,000. And it's already sold out. Oh, oh. oh there you go. So, oh, well, I, I, I take it back. Yeah, and then, and then they've got the, the one in Brizzy always sells out, which is going to be the opening one, which is um, Suncorp. And then the middle one is in Melbourne, and it's not even one of the big – it's not like the MCG or anything stupid like that. Um, is it Eddie had, Hugh? Yeah, no, it's, it's at NIB, so it's NIB. only 20,000, I think, 25,000. Yeah, so they'll all be, they'll all be full, um, hopefully of not people in white jerseys, but there you go. Yeah, well, that's the bigger worry. How many, how many poms get in there? I mean, yeah, exactly. We don't want it to be an away game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you poor guys have got a bunch of idiot students travelling around, spending daddy's money. <laughs> you know, I can't think of anything. I mean, and it, and a stadium full of English fans is painful, but a stadium full of entitled millennials travelling around Australia, <laughs> I can't think of anything worse. Uh, you should segregate the crowd. That's a lethal combination, yeah. The final thing that I would welcome, and again, this... Uh, all right, I'll, I'll talk actually about the, the rugby on the field. Um, I welcome the fact that Australia haven't nailed down their lock situation. Oh, mm. interesting. And because I actually think two guys, that, again, I think to your average Australian fan, I don't know how much Northern Hemisphere rugby or Aviva Premiership rugby from England you watch, but the two guys that are coming down that we expect to start, two Saracens locks, George Cruz, who did play in the World Cup, uh, and Maro Itoje, who didn't play in the World Cup, but is an, oh. an un... Like, once in a generation kind of talent he's won absolutely everything he could win at his young tender age of 21 
the hype is not overblown. He is an incredible prospect. And what he also does, as well as being a great lock and an absolute weapon in the line-out, is he finally is an Englishman who is pretty accomplished at the breakdown. And uh, I think, I'm hoping that he's going to step up another level and keep this hype going. And he's going to show the Southern Hemisphere and show everyone in Australia just what a talent he is. So watch out for Marrow. Uh, I'm just going to add one, one, one last question because I want to know what you think... Um, Checker's going to do here. How are you going to fill that that twelve jersey, and what type of player will be going into the twelve jersey? For the twelve thing, there's a no-brainer, which will be, I would think, Christian Leliafano. Um, yeah. So that's where he's been playing for the Brumbies. Our sense is that Check is going to be very much. He'll be going with the incumbents, and so you know, Christian was pretty much the incumbent in the Wallaby squad, so he'll probably fit straight in there. The bigger question would be if anything happened to him, uh, yes. e- either form-wise or injury-wise. And the thing about Leo Lefano is he's waiting on the birth of his child, his first child, and hasn't been into camp yet. And they're saying he might not be into camp until sort of Wednesday, Thursday, in which case they might not be able to pick him. Wow. So that's a big worry. How long is this this labour lasting for? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's a big thing. yeah, um, it's it's overdue. So I think I think Eddie Jones has obviously got plants in the hospital down in Canberra there, yeah. um, and the wine games are continuing down there. But um, the yeah, so look, the the, the obvious um, the obvious backup might have to be Samu Karevi. Throw him into twelve, and then that changes the whole shape of our attack. So um, am I right? Yeah, he's, he's quite a big boy. Yes, he's there's there's a there's a bit of uh, Tuilangi about him um, in the way he plays. I think. Um, probably not as destructive, probably a little bit more skillful, but um, and not as injury. We're all big fans of him here. We're not quite sure if he's got got what it takes to step up, but he's in he's in career best form at the moment. Yeah. So I mean, you could actually go to the test with Karevi and with Kieran Drani. Yes. I mean, it would be an amazing. It would be a, yeah, it'd be a pretty um, heavy backline there, and then you've got you know Falau coming in as well. I mean. To be honest, the guy that I would bet he'd go to for that opening test if he doesn't have Leila Fano is probably Rob Horn. That would be mine because I think Czech also loves, likes the guys he knows he can bet on and Rob Horn is one of those guys. Rob Horn started his career at 12 um, and he, mm. does, he does a lot of defending at 12 anyway for the Tars um, in, the, you know, in that channel and, and or at 10. So I would think, I don't know, I think there's a good chance that you'd see Horn and there. Horn played at 12 um, against the Chiefs on that Friday night when the Tars did so well. So um, anyway, there's a couple of different options there, but you know he's another strong straight runner as well. There's a lot of conversation going on here about do we really need this dual playmaker thing, and you know just get somebody in there who can bosh it up basically and, and make some space. Do you know what, Matt? There's one final thing before we leave these things. We welcome. This has got nothing to do with playing ability or anything. I just welcome uh, Carmichael Hunt's quads. Uh, they are quite f- <laughs> fantastic, incredible quads. He's been doing it. He never skips leg day. No, he certainly does, and uh, he's got. He takes some very special supplements um, to give to give those quads. Southwellian supplements. <laughs> a big pardon. Southwellian supplements. We we uh, we call them over here. Okay, right, or, or South American usually. Um, yeah, South American. Yeah, they're yeah. big into it. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, all right, boys. So you, okay, you've given us ours. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we spin the tables here? Yeah, let's hear it. Yes, come on, Matt, then. Matt, Hugh, what have you got, then? Three things you you uh, fear or three things you, you worry about or are concerned with um, when it comes to England. Right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead off here, and then Hugh can, um, can pipe in. So, actually, top of our list was Super Marrow. 
Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we have seen him. We saw him. We saw bits of him at the World Cup. Um, and then he, his skill and what he's been achieving is even filtered down here. Um, yeah, and that athleticism. And I think what he sort of symbolises what we're going to, what we fear the most is that every every now and again, I don't know, if, like probably every five or ten years, England rediscovers what fast ball can do to you know with big forwards who are athletic running at pace. And mm. I think he kind of symbolises exactly that. So, you know, you get a bit of go, go forward going, you get quick ball, and, you know, the, the sight of guys like him just beating down the door or Courtney Laws or whoever else um, is, is something that sort of nightmares are made of. So, um, yeah, no, he's... Everything you guys just said about him, um, that's what we're all kind of thinking. And the other reason why I just want to see him selected is that I love it just for your podcasting mate, Phil, just to hear him pronounce his name. Um, how does how does Phil say that? I don't even know. It's Dodgy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> with his with his northern lilt, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's got that. He's got one of those northern accents that sound like it hurts to use. <laughs> I'm slightly disappointed uh, to hear that. Not because I don't think you're right. I think you're absolutely yeah. on the money. But just that I was hoping he'd be a little bit of a somewhat unknown quantity. But clearly, mm. that's far from it. Well, I, I think pro- probably for the for the unwashed, but for people like you. Well, he's also scary because of because of the unknown quantity. Mm. I mean, I've seen a bit of him, and I, and I know he's good, but I haven't seen him up close and personal yet in a big series against you know um, Australia. This is the time that he's going to shine if he is, and I'm worried about what I'm, I'm, the unknown makes me worry basically because yeah. yeah. I haven't seen him Can before. Say, he's like a Rob Shaw, as a few guys we're going to get to later, that are known commodities that we know about and we've beaten before. He's not one of yeah. them. Yeah, I can tell you now, as a Welshman, I've been through all the emotions that you've been through with Toddy. Oh, he can't be that good. Oh, we'll see how he does in Test Arena. And everything he does. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is so good. From his line-out defence and his athleticism getting up, to the way he just operates around the edge of the breakdown, he just sees stuff and he can do it. And then you look in the European Cup final, you think, well, surely he'll come and done now against this huge pack. He, run, um, he runs over a flanker. And it just seems that everything he does, he does very, very well. So, uh, yeah, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll get the same emotion. You'll be in level three, a Todgy, um, <laughs> but you see him, see him against the Wallabies. Okay, we'll have to report back yeah. on that um, uh, next week. Um, the next one, so this is a guy who I think gets a bit of mixed press up there, um, but, um, and I know Hugh uh, stuck this guy in, but I completely agreed with him, which was um, Ben Young's. Um, oh, goodness oh no. really? What are you talking about, boys? Yeah, on, explain, explain this. Is this that one try he scored against the Wallabies a, a few years back? <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. Um, no, 
He's a good. He's a great little. I mean, I I think he's a great little runner. I think he also gives you um, fast ball. I mean, Hugh, what are you seeing him? Well, look, I think more that he can be. The Wallabies traditionally have struggled with good running nines that have a sort of an, an instinct like he does. Um, we don't deal with them well. Um, and Aaron Smith, one for the All Blacks, who who exposes us quite frequently. Um, and Youngs has that kind of. Youngs has that X factor to him that that, that um, we have dealt with badly in the past. Um, and at the World Cup, he probably was injured a little bit, didn't have his best game, but he still offers a little bit of that threat. And once those forward ball runners get going, mm. and if you guys can pin us back behind the line with the Todgy and, and um, Rolstra and some of these other big boppers, um, Vunapola running hard, and all of a sudden those gaps start to appear around the fringes of the ruck, that's where he can really take advantage um, and I've seen him do it before. So, yeah, look, he, he's hot and cold, but when he's hot, he, you know, he, he has that ability to put us away. So that one obviously surprises you guys? Uh, every, well, everything. I mean, I don't think he's nearly as good at running the ball as, say, Danny Care. I think Danny Care is leagues above him. But also, there's people in the squad who are, are better, better than him. Uh, Robson, uh, Simpson. Well, that, that aren't in the squad, you mean? That aren't in the squad, yeah. I mean, have any of those boys been called up yet? No, 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 they're just, just taking the... So that'd be the first thing. The second thing is, he plays like he doesn't need a fly half. So he picks up the ball, crabs sideways, and tries to make plays instead of going forward. So all the other three I mentioned will spot a gap, go forward, and try and get through the gap. Mm. He just sort of slows, slows everything down. Mm. Having said that, and in, and in your defence, there is an army of people who are paid an awful lot more than me uh, and him to... You know, pick rugby teams, and they keep on sticking with Young. So there must be something about him, but it's certainly not—he's certainly not someone that I particularly rate, and I wouldn't even take take him on tour. And I, I'd add to JB um, precisely what he said. The and some, picking up on something you said earlier, where England rediscover fastball, and, and you sort of suggested that Ben Youngs was someone who facilitates that when he when he isn't on tip-top form. That crabbing across the pitch just wastes vital couple of seconds yeah. and vital space, and it just it, I sh- I get angry watching watching him play sometimes. So I- I'm hoping that the Ben Youngs that you've obviously seen is the one that turns up uh, if he is selected. I suspect Danny Care will start. I don't know, however, it could well be yeah. Ben Youngs. Well, uh, I think it's fair to say after that. Ben Youngs is nailed on to be man of the series now, isn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, I can just talk from an emotional point of view. You know, you have, you have those players when you're watching and, and, you know, there's not too much analysis that goes into it. You just know that the number of times I've been watching a game where we've been playing England, and you're just like, oh, bloody hell, it's him again. And, you know, because he's running through us or something like that. So maybe yeah. he saves oh, up his best stuff for us. Maybe that's what it is. I'll tell you a quick story. I sent a text to my friends on WhatsApp um, saying... Uh, Leicester are Leicester are genuinely better when Ben when Ben Youngs is in the bottom bottom of a ruck and someone else feeds the ball, and I actually, I actually meant that. And then Ben Youngs scores. So you know he is in his defence. He does do do a small amount of things very very well and does seem to come up with big plays. But as a player to watch over eighty minutes, not someone that I particularly rate. Okay. And then the other bit is obviously he's also Lendred. So are you guys aware of this? So I'm, I'm assuming you are. So there's, a, there's actually a Twitter account called Lendred, and it's dedicated to Ben Young's sayings. So I think it, it was obviously... Wow! Some, yeah, it's obviously somebody who lived with him. Um, it stopped tweeting about two years ago. Um, go and find it. You'll find it Lendred. Um, uh, I, I think How does that spell? L-E-N-D-R-I-D. And that, that's actually his nickname. 
And I think it's one of his housemates obviously just started taking these things down, and they are unbelievably funny. It's like he's obviously oh. on a spectrum. <laughs> so, this is great. So it says things like, um, like one of his quotes was, I love snakes and lizards. All those erotic pets are brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and um, this, is, this has been a, a barren, fallow weekend with no rugby, and that could have been that. That could have been the solution. I could have just entertained myself with this the whole weekend. Have you got it, Sim? I'm, I'm looking at it now. It is outstanding. I mean, singing the anthem makes me smile. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, do yourself a favour. Go through. There's also a Tumblr, but I think it just borrows from that account. So um, whoever it is, it's brilliant. And you guys would probably see some more of the insides. Obviously, um, I think it's someone like Tom that he used to live with or something who's obviously um, written a lot of these things. And it's just hilarious, but it gives you a bit of a different insight into him. All right, so then, so that's our second. Um, our third, um, Anthony Watson. Now, Shall. that's a good call. You know, I'm not sure if I'm drilling so much into him specifically, although he had that, he did play really sharply in that last game we came up against you guys. Um, I guess what we know is like that England back three um, can be really, really dangerous um, with gas to spare, which we mm. don't necessarily have on our wings, actually. And, and, and Izzy is, um, I mean, he, Izzy shocked everybody when he scored that runaway try against the Chiefs because... You know, we don't really see him as having sort of like um, top line speed. He's more of a line breaker. But we just don't have any of those out and out gas men that just kind of make can make shit happen um, on the wings at the moment. And um, and he's one of them. Um, so yeah, our worry there is again, you know, if that game, if Eddie's game plan, which I can only imagine he's going to have, which is smash him through the middle, smash him through the middle, smash him through the middle, and suddenly someone like him comes in, that's a real worry. And I don't think we've got the the pace to counter it. Was that what you were thinking there as well, Hugh? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it kind of ties into the first thing. Um, first thing I'd like to see, actually, I'll get to that. But it, 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 I said it at the World Cup last year, and, I, and it's probably still. I can't remember a time when England's back three or outside backs generally, because I, I'm also a big fan of um, of Joseph as well. Um, that that um, have a lot more firepower out wide than what we do, mm. um, and that's the case again in this series, I think. Um, oh, so that's, that's, that's that's really interesting to hear because I was sort of thinking how many how many Englishmen would get into uh, an Aussie backline, and I think Farrell at ten would have a shout. Um, and then, other than that, oh, uh, maybe one of the wingers, Watson, was kind of kind of where I got to. But but Watson definitely he's one of those wingers that you give him a one on one five just a five meter channel to work in, and he'll he'll he can step and he can step and finish. Yeah, and I'll tell you I'll tell you another thing as well. That England backline, maybe as individuals, they're not the best all-round rugby players in terms of skills. But like I say, uh, Watson, uh, you've got um, Brown, you've got Joseph, you'll have Noel. All they need to do is have a half break and you're on the back foot and then, um, and then quick ball. If Ben Youngs is any good, uh, he'll move it again. And you just can't nail them down because their feet are so quick. So even if they even if you do stop them, you're stopping them two or three yards after they've created a weak shoulder. So they're very tricky. I'm hoping that that Watson gets the opportunity to demonstrate exactly what you're talking about. Um, my my concern is that that he won't be able to get enough opportunities to get the ball in in those sort of situations. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, that's me leading off on the who we fear. Hugh, do you want to give him the bad news? Oh, the bad news. Well, I, I think the first one I'll lead in from the point that I said, and it, it's a it's a it's a more broad one in the spirit of you guys did. I've got some individual players as well that me and Matt have discussed, but um, is that you guys get that England get too preoccupied with um, big ball running forwards and 
uh, Anthony Watson gets frostbite out on the wing, and um, we deal with it. Uh, it's a wrestle. It gets to the breakdown, and we can deal with that pretty easily. And I think in the past, that's what England tend to do against us. It's what South Africa sometimes does. They see us, and they think we're soft in the forwards, and they just want to belt us and belt us and belt us, and and we can deal with that, and, and um, we end up winning, uh, winning the series through that. So my worry is all this talk of Eddie saying we're going to beat him up, we're going to be bigger and stronger, and um, it basically basically preoccupied with that while um, while your great outside backs that we've just spoken about get get nothing. So I'm really hoping that that. Um, yeah, it's too tight and slow, and we get David Pocock and Scott Fardy and Michael Hooper over every ball. We slow it down, and we and we can deal with the forwards, and, and the backs get nothing. Matt, do you, do you think that's um that's something we're hoping for? Yeah, well, I was going to put two names on that actually. I was going to say Haskell and Robshaw. Um, oh God! You know, yeah. well, that were the that were the players. This almost points two and three there. I think. Well, no, because I mean, what they've done is they've managed to break maths. So they've managed to prove that you know two times six point five doesn't equal thirteen. Um, <laughs> because well, I think it just it's just proven it doesn't work. And I'm not really sure who this plan is to kind of compete there. I mean, I know you were clutching at straws up there earlier, Tim, around Marrow. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the skills and whatever else and That'll be great to see, but still, you know, we're going to have three good guys over the ball, and I'm struggling to know who's going to either keep them off it or return serve. Oh, I know, I know, absolutely. Now, on on our podcast recently, JB's been undergoing something of a metamorphosis. He's been the biggest Haskell fan for quite a long time, and he's <laughs> but that's just man love. He's just you know. <laughs> yeah, the cracks, the cracks are starting to show, and I, and I think on form, Haskell does not deserve to be in the England squad. Um, well, not, not in the England squad. He doesn't deserve to be in the, the, the 23 that plays. I, I fear Ooh. that he will. I fear that he will. And I think that that would be a mistake. I think Clifford on the hard tracks um, in Australia, uh, with the pace he's got, could be the man to to, to get there first and challenge um, Pocock and Hooper. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping Clifford gets cracked. You know, I kind of disagree with you there. Um, I agree and disagree because uh, I'm a bit of a politician. Um, I agree that he, Rob Shaw and Haskell aren't going to steal any ball because we know they aren't. They never do. But if you want two guys to get rid of uh, Poker, I actually think they're the, they're, the, they're the perfect counter because defensively they will work hard. Sorry, attackingly they will work hard and they'd be per- and they'd be perfect for that job because they get to every breakdown. They just don't have the skills defensively at the breakdown to steal the ball. So that's why I think you think you bring in someone well, else. Well, I just I just say uh, rewatch the World Cup take that he was. Uh, yeah, that was in the having Lancaster. a great time watching. That was in the I, Lancaster. I, I, I don't care. I, 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 that that combination is not going to get England anywhere, and we need to. We we it needs to change. I I really like Rob Shaw. He he's better at everything than Haskell. He works harder. He's a good link player. He's not an out and out seven, but he deserves his place in the side. Um, uh, that, that's just what I think about it. So I think you you picked up on something really good there, boys. Okay, Hugh, what's your next? Yeah, well, I suppose I think I think we had that was point two. We'll say Rob Shaw Haskell point two because I think it's probably linked. We I don't know, Matt, if you want to throw something else in here. The third one that we had was um, was um, Mako Vunapola, who we still mm. think there's some big question marks over that English scrum after the World Cup, um, and uh, we're a bit we're a bit bullish on this, and it could blow up in our face um, in glorious style. Mm. Uh, just it, one time quite confident in our scrum, but. Uh, yeah, we, we we've got some question marks over over Mako and um, and the angle that he can come in on, and a, a referee who uh, doesn't view those things too kindly might might take the view that uh, 
Marco uh, needs to get some of the treatment that Al Baxter and Matt Dunning have received at the hands of England <laughs> referees over the years. The injustice. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, as you were saying, Hugh, I mean, look, the thing about this was it will come down to the referee. So, you know, Vunapola came, came in at 90 degrees, you know, all the way through the Lions series. And, you know, absolutely, absolutely skewed us, um, especially with Ben Alexander, who, did, you know, wasn't able to counter it. So, you know, it's a whole different scrum and everything else. Um, but then also, I think, you know, the refereeing mindset's changed a little bit. And whereas I think tight he- uh, loose heads used to get away with absolute murder, I'm not sure that's happening anymore, as we saw with Marla. So that's that's my other thing. I, I really, in, my, in what I've seen of him, I kind of think that Ma- uh, Vinopol is a bit of a, a Marla 2.0. As, as I'd say, uh, I would say to you, as I know very well doing a podcast with a Welshman, is you can see the same thing, and depending on your perspective, it looks completely different. And uh, I think you might, <laughs> there might be a little bit of that going on, boys. Yeah, Mako is a damn good player, and if they, if they bring him on off the bench, I think you might, I think you might be regressing that selection. <laughs> <laughs> But the reality of it is, I think, drawing more broadly as to why we've struggled a little bit to come up with things that, that, that um, we're looking forward to seeing about this team and, and is, is that there is a, it's not the most experienced side. And, we haven't, and it's been a long time since we've had England on our shores um, and had a really good look at them. And, and um, we don't get to see a huge amount of the, the footy up there. The, the Six Nations I've seen a bit of, but not a huge amount. And... So a lot of the Australian rugby fans um, that generally, with a few exceptions, you know, your Mike Browns and, and um, your, um, you know, well, Dylan Hartleys and, and Haskells who have been around for a little bit, um, Rob Shaw's another one, um, we've seen a bit of Joe Launchbury, but, you know, a lot of these names are unfamiliar even to me and, and it's a lot of young guys that have been the crux of that under-20 squad that's come through and have been together now for four or five years and... I think maybe that could be a, could be one of the broader weaknesses, or it could even be a strength. Is that they're so inexperienced in these conditions, and this is, I imagine, for most in the first trip to Australia on a, on a on an England tour. So um, th- there's probably potential yeah. for it to go both ways. They could they could come out and play yeah. like champions, or they could wilt. I'll take it one further. I mean, the last time you had a, um, English players playing in Australia was probably Lions, and you look back at that Lions yeah. team. I think there's only and I think there's only Farrell who will make it back. So all those guys you're used to, Parling, oh no, uh, you'll have Vinopola. But other than that, yeah. they're pretty much no, all Corby new Sierros or those sort of guys, yeah. I, for the record, and I'll say this in the hope that I'm completely wrong, I hope I'm wrong, I, do, I don't see us uh, winning this series. And I think, the, I think it'll be brilliant experience, and I think it'll be part of the, the plan towards Japan 2019. But as you've rightly pointed out, massive amount of inexperience, really youthful squad, uh, I think it'll be a great learning curve, and I think we'll win one of the tests, but I think we'll lose the series. You couldn't be more wrong. It's going to be, and I think it's going to be 3 0 to England. We've got a Welshman saying that. I'm, I, uh, how do you see that? I get it. Uh, well, you know, look, I, I watch a lot of Super Rugby, and if and if the Waratahs show up, they've got ev- they've got ev- every chance. In I, fact, any of the, any of the Australian franchises. I mean. It's not that much different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't base it on that. Why, well, well, why not? What else could you possibly base it on? Well, like, well, the like thing you is, say, the thing is, my, my counterpoint to that is the Waratahs and the Australian Conference play New Zealand teams. And I think if the World Cup showed us anything, it was that I think you guys up there might get a bit of a false positive um, playing against each other and, you know, chalking up sure. wins, which is fantastic. 
But if anything, to, to put it bluntly, the, the, the best rugby in the world is played down here. So I think, yes, the, the Australian super teams are struggling, but they're playing the world's best provincial sides. And that test, hopefully, might, might steal them up a little bit for, for what England can provide. Well, mate, JB, I'll just say, mate, I've listened to enough of your podcast to be delighted that you're kicking <laughs> England 3-0. <laughs> um, that's, well, that's yeah, my, no, I'm, I'm down the bookies that, tomorrow. I, I, yeah. I've just got a sneaky feeling. And... Uh, I'm usually always right, so you'll have to just deal with that. <laughs> he, also, he also had a sneaky feeling when I suggested Ben Teo might make it into the England squad. You heard that he, somewhere. He also had a very sneaky feeling that he might just laugh in my face at the thought, and, and Ben Teo's in the England squad over there in Oz. Tim, so, we, are, we are currently <laughs> in a state of peak, of peak tail. This, well, this is the highest watermark of tail. We'll if you were trading tail, you would trade, trade him now, because there's oh. going to be nothing left, left of that value. At, we'll um, see. After the, all of this. We'll see. Another good Englishman. See, I'm, I'm, I think it'll be really close. I'm tipping Australia two one, Matt. What's, what's yours? Yeah, I reckon that. Yeah, I reckon the Poms will pick one up, and yeah, I reckon they'll push it hard. I feel it. It kind of feels like one of those Lions series. But the thing I've got to talk about, I don't know if everyone else feels this way, is like I can't remember feeling there was so much on the line with a, just a friendly series like this for a long time. Um, is that Eddie Jones? Is that is that just the Eddie Jones element been thrown into the mix? Yeah, maybe. I think that's lifted it up that notch. Um, I think it's also because we took so much out of that win. I guess probably almost the opposite of what you guys took out of that win or, or loss in the World Cup. We took so much from that that it's such a, I don't know, it kind of feels like something you you really want to defend. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just the, the hype that's around this, it's massive. Uh, to the point where I the uh, the rugby championship is going to be a massive come down, I think, afterwards. Um, I just don't think it'll have the meaning or the impact. I don't know, Hugh, you've, do you feel the same or is it just me? Yeah, I think it's the three-game series back-to-back, too. It's fantastic. You just, mm. you know, we, we play England every year up there at Twickenham, and it's a one-off, so you can read everything or nothing into it. You know, if we win, we go, that's great. If if we don't, we shrug the shoulders and go, oh, it's the end of the year, had a bad day, you know, the ref brutalises at the scrums, whatever. But with a three-game series, you, you know, there's no there's nowhere to hide, and you know the best team's going to win in the end, and you're going to see, um, you know, the opportunity to come in and out of games and... and see everyone tested over an extended period. So um, I think that's why it's so exciting, because we're actually going to really get a good um, look at what this England team can do and what this Australian team can do too. Yeah. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to play out like a, an episode of Neighbours or Home and Away. There's going to be a soap opera, mind <laughs> games and stuff. There's already been Eddie Jones being searched. He hasn't told us exactly where he was searched, but he had a very thorough search uh, when he went through uh, <laughs> Australian customs. I love it. I love it all. Bring it on. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing here at the moment is I think the media's waiting for it to kick off. It hasn't kicked off yet. Um, hasn't really been any, you know, I think Eddie tried to get some shots firing um, at that thing. But at the moment, the theme seems to be um, Czech has gone to a new level of mind games because he hasn't started the mind games. And by doing that, he started the mind games. Uh, Very clever. Mm, so that's, that's kind of where it's at. But anyway, boys, look, we're all pumped. Um, we, we're going to have to get together after the first one. Um, can, we, can, we make that, yeah. can we make that pack now? No matter who wins or loses, got to be gracious and... We'll come back together and discuss. Yeah, let's do that. I mean, you know, as you'll know, as, as all your Australian listeners will know, there's nothing more magnanimous uh, than an Englishman uh, in defeat. <laughs> so even if we lose, uh, you know, we're honourable. We're honourable guys. Of course we will. Okay, well, we've got a great reputation for that as well. Um, I'm sure you'd love to talk to a bunch of Aussies if they've just beaten you in a test match. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> those connectivity issues might come up if we lose. That, that, you know, it's a very shaky line yeah. down here. I'm not sure I can cope with it, a loss. <laughs> Is it- 
Is there any chance that, I, that we can get Brian Moore on your podcast sometime soon? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like, we keep reaching out to him, mate. The hand of friend. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Friendship just keeps getting slapped. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. No, um, he's, he's one that of our favorites. That? that was an absolute pleasure, boys. Good one, guys. Look, have a good Sunday and we'll, we'll catch up next week.